Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the Pastor's Table. I'm Tara Beth Leach. And I'm Mark Quanstrom. Uh, welcome back. We're grateful for those who are faithful listeners. And today we have with us Josh and Melissa Dees, who wrote in to us, who responded. And we have, uh, we've had many write in, and we try to be faithful to connect with them. Mm-hmm. And for the next three or four podcasts, uh, how we're going to be wrapping up this season on soteriology is by talking to those who wrote into us to tell us their stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, today, as I said, we have Josh and Melissa from the Northwest part of the country mm-hmm. who uh, wrote us and told us a little bit about their story, um, which um, a, has been kind of a difficult one. Mm-hmm. And I asked if they'd be willing to share their story mm-hmm. uh, because I think a whole lot of folk will be able to identify with it. And they have graciously, kindly agreed And so we welcome to the podcast today, Josh and Melissa Dees. Yeah, thank you so much for, first of all, writing to us. Um, And that goes to all the listeners. Uh, We we read your letters, we read them. And some of the stories that that we get are unbelievable, right? They're they're compelling and they're also gut-wrenching. They're inspiring. And sometimes I'm, you know, my, my jaw is on the ground as to what some pastors are navigating and one of the reasons that we wanted to talk to you, Josh and Melissa, was your letter was so heartfelt. It was so honest. It was transparent. It was real. And there was a sentence in there in particular that really um, compelled me is that you affirm God's call in your life, uh, that God has has called you. You've been able to partner together in ministry, and you affirm God's call in your life. And at the same time, um, you struggle to trust leaders at time times because of a lack of theological integrity. And so so we'll, we'll go there um, and explore some of that, what that means of uh, following leaders, trusting leaders uh, with or without theological integrity. But I guess first, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. So first, let's let's start to slight. Tell us a little bit about you and, and your work and call to ministry and the two of you. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we met actually in high school on um, a college visit and uh, ended up kind of rekind- like kindling a relationship there and uh, found out that we were both called to ministry and um, dated all throughout college and um, ended up getting married pretty much right out of college and jumped right into the ministry. Um, and Josh went into seminary right after college. And that was a whole whirlwind for us of just trying to discern where uh, the Lord was leading us at the time. And um, also that that crucial stage where you're just out of college and you don't have a job mm-hmm. and you're like trying to figure out, you know, what what's next for you. And so um, long story short, Josh had ended up receiving a scholarship that covered his first year of seminary. And so he was able to do that online. And we ended up um, moving away from 
our families and friends to a church um, that we were called to. And uh, we we ended up being there for seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, in, again, in the Pacific Northwest. We're from the Midwest. And so we really went um, as probably close to like the cross or the like um, international like mission fields that you could probably mm-hmm. get by right. <laughs> moving to rural North Pacific Northwest um, and very young, naive college kids that we were barely being paid to do ministry at this church. And so we were working several jobs during that time. Um, but at the same time, Oh, go ahead. How old were you when you went to the your first charge, your first church? Uh, we were 22. You both were 22, and you took staff positions at this church. Yeah. All right. And what were the staff positions? So we started off as co-youth pastors. Okay. And um, then I worked at a coffee shop, and I also helped clean um, people's homes. And then Josh at first started off just stocking <laughs> Like shelves, Yu-Gi-Oh cards at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, and then then went into uh, working for a funeral home, and so he was the person that's just on call, and when somebody passes away, and you're the one that goes to people's homes and. Wow. So you're part-time um, youth pastors, or you were full-time youth pastors, but needed to supplement your income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're a full-time youth pastor. We were consider, considered full-time. You considered full-time, mm-hmm. but then you had these part-time jobs on the side so that you yeah. could pay bills. Yeah. While he was going to school. All right. Yeah. That was kind of my part-time job. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> At least it felt like it. Yeah. So what happened? And then about, let's see. Yeah. So then um, I think it was what, five, five years in, um, I shifted over to the discipleship pastor role. So Melissa remained in, as the youth pastor and I switched over to this discipleship role and was just kind of continuing to flesh out my own call. And um, that was a, a space that sort of better suited where where I think God was leading me and taking me in terms of ministry. And and um, so spent the last few years in, in that role. Um, actually, actually started that role in... March of 2020. Mm-hmm. So I started as the discipleship pastor and then we went into lockdown. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. And so suddenly had to learn how to do that and learn this new job at the same time. So it was crazy. Well, okay. So you're pretty young to start. You're pretty young to have a staff position, I think, right? I don't know. Yeah. Does it feel like it now? I mean, it's, it's not that long ago, but Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were, I mean, yeah, we felt like kids going into right. it. Um, you know, uh, this church that we were there, you know, we were there for seven years and, uh, they, um, they loved on us. Well, we had a lot of surrogate grandparents <laughs> and, um, uh, so that was really nice. Uh, but it was also hard at times to be taken seriously, um, to, cause we did, we were, you know, for most of the congregation, we were their kids' age or their, or their, or their grandkids' age. Yeah, we we either hung out with teenagers or hung out with people that were like thirty 
plus years older right. than us. Right. Right. <laughs> my first my first call as a staff pastor, I was 22 years old. You were. In a rural, I was a youth pastor in a rural church in upstate New York. So going from the Midwest to the East Coast. Um, and it was a small rural church in upstate New York. I was 22 years old and um, I got asked to babysit kids a lot <laughs> and help out in the nursery and yeah. Uh, what happened your first year at that, at your first church? Um, yeah. Do you want to? Yeah, sure. So we, um, we were actually moving in, we were there for a week and we moved into our apartment and, um, this sort of saga began, uh, with, with our lead pastor. Um, he had been going through some of his own personal struggles and, and, um, we kind of found out kind of abruptly, like here we are showing up and there's some things going on behind the scenes that are just a little questionable. Um, and, and so, uh, we had to kind of walk through that right away of just like navigating through, um, just the challenges of, uh, I guess just, just navigating through, like, I didn't realize that this was going to be so messy. Mm -hmm. Um, and to, to kind of step into some of those things right away, I think was, was, um, eye opening. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I had grown up, uh, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in the parsonage. And so I kind of, I, I thought I saw, uh, you know, or at least maybe I was a little bit naive about all the things that went on behind the scenes and, and was quickly, quickly introduced to, to, you know, some of the, the things that happened behind the scenes that I didn't see always. Can you be more uh, specific right. at all? Or I mean, the pastor. Yeah. yeah. Um, his wife left him very abruptly. Okay. So it was like that week. Um, and I, again, I had a very close personal relationship with this pastor we were he was um my youth pastor okay. growing up and so that's how we had the connection right. of coming out um yeah and then shortly so about a year of ministry went by and the first year was really great like our team meshed well together um but then starting like that after that year things kind of started to change um in the culture of like our team we had added another team member and um long story short there our pastor ended up having a moral failure um and i you know to protect just kind of that sure. integrity i don't think i could go sure. into the full details no, right? of that but um it was what was hard about it was the way it was initially presented was it was very abrupt. He resigned and was gone um, within 24 hours. And we've never seen him again or even have talked to him. Um, and uh, that night when he resigned, night, Josh would, had been brought on to a semi full-time salary, <laughs> um, but I was still not brought on in that full-time salary. So I was still working several jobs. And the night that he resigned, he had read, um, you know, his letter of resignation and then said, oh, well, by the way, Melissa wants to be brought on full-time. And just like that was the end of the meeting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and just kind of like just a really backhand wow. <laughs> way of leaving 
Um, okay, how many years had you been serving in the church when this happened? Uh, a little over two years. Okay, so you show up, and a, you show up a week later. You recognize there's some family dysfunction with the lead pastor, and then two yeah. years later, he resigns. Yeah. Okay, this is two. Now you're 24 years old. Your lead pastor resigns, right? Yeah. And in his resignation letter, he recommends that you be full time. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. What? What? Yeah. What are you guys thinking? Well, originally, you know, we thought he, but we didn't know that there was all these things going on right. with, as far as the moral mm -hmm. failure. Mm -hmm. And it had been brushed under the rug and presented as like, you know, I'm burnt out and um, oh. God is releasing me from the oh. ministry. And then several months later, oh. um, people started coming out about things that had happened during that time. Um, and then it ended up being, you know, higher level leadership had to get involved and we're in the middle of this lead pastor search um, mm -hmm. as well, which then, you know, as a staff member, you're your job is kind of right. on edge anyways, right. because you just don't know if you're going to mesh well with the new lead pastor, whoever that is. And right. yeah. Well, you got thrown into the deep end. I mean, yeah. welcome to ministry. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so did, did you, so now you don't have a pastor and, the, and yeah. there are people who are hurt in the church. The staff is trying to figure out what in the world we're supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah. What are you guys thinking in the interim? What do you th did? So are you thinking, man, what did we get ourselves into? Or God, where are you? Or why did you call us out here? I mean, what were your thoughts two years into the ministry when your senior pastor has, I mean, resigns? You're not sure why. Then you find out later the reason. By mm -hmm. the way, did the church hire you as a full-time staff person? As uh, they They ended up doing that yes eventually eventually mm -hmm. oh eventually so yeah okay. yeah right. after the new lead pastor came okay um so all right what are you thinking yeah. during the yeah um i remember i think initially i i think i felt numb that was right. that was maybe the first response right. and for for those of us for the staff and we had some other staff members with us at the time um, I think we, we just kind of put our heads down and worked mm -hmm. and yeah. I don't know, I don't know if, I don't know if I personally dealt with it well. Um, I think the expectation was just, well, just, just put your head down and just keep working and, and, and somehow we'll, we'll get through this. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of animosity between the staff and the board at the time and, and we were just working through how do we, how do we do this? Well, really, that was the big question. And, and there's just a lot of challenges that came with that. And, and so I think the default was just to just continue to do what we've been doing and, um, for better, or for worse, you know, that, that allowed us some space just to, just to kind of sit through it. But I think, I don't think I fully, for me, at least, I don't think I really fully dealt with the significance or the pain really of, of, feeling that sense of betrayal, uh, loss of trust, um, in that season and not really, I don't think not really taking inventory of that until much later. Right. I think that's a usual story, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, so I wonder like, how did that show up 
for you emotionally or in your body or what were the ways that that showed up? Definitely just a deep disappointment. Um, And for me, it was, it hit a little harder because I'd had this deeper relationship with this person. Um, But not only that, like my own family was going through some struggles along the similar lines. And um, so I think just not bitterness, but just a deep anger. And I'm trying to think of like, what's another emotion to go along with that. Um, but you've, you know, I just remember walking around feeling tense all the time. Um, you know, feeling tense in my body, feeling, um, just kind of stuck Mm. in stuck is a good word. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we were so far from home and we were in this small rural town of Oregon. <laughs> you know, we didn't know really anybody else beyond um, our lead pastor when we moved out there. Um, so it felt very isolating too, um, especially as two young, like a young couple right. <laughs> in ministry. There's not a lot of people our age in this community. Um, and I think that that narrative that is often, I, I think we often hear among pastor circles is like, well, I'm not allowed, or I'm not allowed, but I shouldn't share with anybody what's going on in my life. So you guys just kind of sucked it up and plowed through it by just working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That had to have been lonely. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, and, and I, you know, I would, I would echo what Melissa said just about the, the isolation piece. I think uh, for me, especially working through some of my own personal struggles that really started to begin to lift the lid on, on how, uh, how damaging that was to us to 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 isolate to to just kind of push push push, it. push it away and to to disengage in that way and and uh, I I guess from what I've learned that that does a sort of violence to ourselves yeah. to push away from community and and to miss out on those places and spaces where we can be vulnerable and and that was a season where we were we were very much alone mm. and trying, tr- just trying to figure out how do we, how do we stay above the water, you know, in, in this season that felt just really uncertain. How long were you without a pastor at that time? I think it was eight to 10 months, something like that. Yeah. I think it was somewhere around eight months. Mm-hmm. And so the church called a new pastor that you mm-hmm. had no idea who this person would be. Right. right? Yeah. And this new pastor comes in. And yeah. a happy ending to the story now. <laughs> <laughs> Not at first. Yeah. Uh, we we uh, we had put up quite a few walls up after sure you did. after everything that had happened and and uh, and uh, our poor our our new lead pastor and his wife uh, we gave them quite a hard time at first just just kind of being quite closed off and unsure can we trust. Can we trust these people? Are we, uh, is this going to work out? And, um, 
yeah, there were just, a, there were a lot of question marks for us, not because of anything that they did, but just, just because of the whole situation and just trying to see like, can we, can, can it, can it be better? Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of waiting, waiting and seeing what, how it would play mm-hmm. out. Did he give you time to trust him to learn to trust him again? To learn to trust yeah. a lead pastor again? Yeah, no, I think so. I think uh, there was some rub there in just the sense of not knowing what what we had been through. Um, okay. So learning to understand the the deep the depths of the pain that we had been through, um, I think was hard for all of us to recognize, <laughs> and and it took some time. You know, we a phrase that we used often as we learned to grow and work together was we're not afraid to rumble. Um, we're not afraid to, to, you know, have those hard conversations and recognize that we're going to seek understanding and seek common ground and seek restoration and whatever that needs to be and allow these spaces of rumbling. Um, so that was really helpful as we began to learn but, you know, even after he got there, uh, it was about almost a, it was about a year. And then, um, and even still, we had some more transitions on our team. So it ended up being like by year three, Josh and I, or year four, Josh and I were the veteran, wow. <laughs> like staff people at this church. Um, and then COVID happened and wow. everything, like, you know, like we all know, everything shut down and um, not only that, but then you had to deal with the political unrest and the social justice movements. And um, we saw the polarization begin to take place mm-hmm. in our congregation, um, which then led to so many other conversations. Um, you know, people, we had a whole movement of people that left our church mm-hmm. and, you know, their reasoning was they didn't support women in ministry. And I don't think that was their actual reason, but I think it was the easy scapegoat to just say, we don't want to be a part of this mm-hmm. church anymore. Um, and it was a significant hit to our congregation, but like, you know, we saw God during that time really, um, really weed through uh, just the, the different topics and the things that we needed to discuss as a church. Um, And so I think that time during COVID, it really helped solidify that relationship between our lead pastor, our our new lead pastor and his family. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're 22, you go to a church, the senior pastor that you trusted uh, betrays the congregation you now you're without a pastor and you're not aware of the depth of hurt you're just plowing through by working keeping your head down new pastor comes in you're not sure you can trust him and so there's some relational issues that are nobody's fault the new pastor doesn't really understand the the context yet uh, doesn't understand the pain that you guys have gone through Right. But then you start to rebuild their relationship and then what 2020 happens and social unrest and and a sizable 
part of your congregation leaves because they don't believe in women in ministry, right? How long are you mm -hmm. in ministry so far? Four years. <laughs> You're in ministry four years. Yeah. And this is what this is what ministry has looked like to this you is so your far. First experience. Hmm. Right. Yeah. What gets mm -hmm. it gets better, right? Um. Yes and no. Go ahead. Yeah. So so what happens? Yeah. Next? So so I mean, there's more to this story. Yeah. Yeah. So 2020, I think. 2020 was interesting for our community when it came to COVID and everything. The because we were such a rural, isolated community, uh, the pandemic didn't really hit us really hard that first right. year. It was actually in 2021 that, um, and some of the the um, some of the variants when they started to come through that began to have a huge impact on our community. Um, in ways that it didn't, you know, the first time around in 2020. And so we, we watched, we watched in 2020, a couple close people in our church pass away mm. and just, just watch the grief mm. and the, and the hurt and the loss through that. Um, and then personally, uh, 2021 was challenging just for us and our relationship. We were going through some of our own personal struggles and, um, I think it was a, it was uh, a buildup of what had already happened, but just some stuff that was just not dealt with. Um, mm -hmm. You know, 2020 and 2021, the pandemic was a huge gift to us, mm -hmm. honestly, in our personal relationship and and for me, and just uh, bringing to light some things that I needed to work on mm -hmm. and some things that that needed to be addressed. And so um, that was um, a season that was deeply challenging, but also really life giving to um, mm. to watch how uh, God was God was just working in ways to to just soften my heart and our hearts towards something deeper, um, and to to be able to utilize um, some of the more broken places of my life and our life to to allow that to be a gift for others. And so there was there was a just a season, you know, after the pandemic of just learning how do we how do we begin to communicate that and begin to to articulate that in life and in ministry and and so definitely uh, the challenges continued for sure right. but um, started to see um, some mm -hmm. some new things begin to spring forth in that yeah. that season and I think to you know maybe be a little bit more vulnerable here is um, like our marriage got to the point where. I actually began to question if we were going to make it. And um, we ended up uh, taking some time apart and uh, had walked with our lead pastor um, through what we were going through and um, ended up taking us into partnering with um, a nonprofit organization where we did counseling and were in recovery groups, um, both for uh, betrayed spouses and the um, spouse that you know does the the hurt and the harm, and through that, um, really began to dig deep into our stories and how important that is for um, us as pastors to to learn how to heal and to walk through our own trauma and recognize how that impacts 
our ministry and relationships with others. Um, but I think what's hard as pastors is we have this call on our lives and we're called to uphold this standard and to um, be people that uh, point others to holy living. And, um, and so, you know, it's hard to walk through our own traumas as pastors, mm -hmm. especially when you're isolated and especially when um, you haven't had good models shown to you about what that looks mm -hmm. like either. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also, we've seen the result of when we don't care for ourselves and we don't walk through our stories that we see, um, that we see these burnouts or these, moral failures or different things that take place. Okay. We're going to continue this conversation mm -hmm. next time, but we don't want to leave people hanging here. So when we first began this conversation with both of you, I asked you, are you guys still in ministry? And your answer was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're still in ministry, <laughs> right? Yeah. And we've just gotten through four years of some really mm -hmm. tough stuff, right? And yeah. what you just shared about pastors not being able to be vulnerable mm -hmm. or broken is part of what continues the brokenness, right? So, but there's still, there's more to this story, um, um, but the Lord did not forsake you. And so we're going to ask our listeners to tune in next week yep. to hear the rest of your story, because again, there's more here. Mm -hmm. And your testimony is really, really important to yep. a whole lot of our listeners. Yep. Yep. It helps it helps a lot of our listeners that are navigating similar journeys, dealing with their own trauma while they're going through pastoral trauma, right? right. Church trauma. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's oftentimes um, it's ministry trauma that triggers yeah. our own personal trauma that makes right. us realize, oh boy, I've got some work to do. I've got some reflection to do. I know that was my own story as well. Um, and so thanks so much for sharing transparently. Hopefully, you know, my hope is that there's a pastor out there um, that this that this gets to that um, they realize, okay, like I'm not crazy. The stuff that I'm feeling, the stuff that I'm going through, and maybe to seek out lifelines in the same ways uh, that right. Josh and Melissa have. Um because I think the takeaway that I got is, is you sought out a lifeline in your pastor mm -hmm. and in recovery groups and in therapy. Um, and so let that be an encouragement to the lonely listener out there, wherever you are. And so Josh and Melissa, thanks for, for joining us for part one. We're looking forward to next week for part two of the conversation. And so now, brothers and sisters in Christ, pastors, ministers, lay leaders, evangelists, prophets, wherever you are. May the Lord bless you and continue to sustain you for even just another day of ministry, another week, another month, another year. And until next time, 